asking how to use Instagram. Oh, that's a great question. You know what's worse is like people are like, LOL, boomers who don't know how to use websites. But then you have people like my parents who are like in their mid to late 50s. So they're a little young, but not like super young. And they're like, like, hey, we're following you on. They're like making more. My dad makes more TikTok videos than me. They're on every (laughs) social media platform. I have to have my whole family blocked on Twitter just so they won't see. (laughs) I still need help with basic websites sometimes. So I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I need help with like Snapchat and stuff. Like it took me so long to figure out Snapchat. It's like, I I I quit. I deleted it. I, I did like, too. I don't understand this. Yeah. I, mean... I deleted I deleted Snapchat because literally the only thing is like people will be like, "You got Snap," and like I was just nonstop like dudes like yeah sending me like send nudes, and I was like I and then like the other half of it would be more extreme. My kids would be like, "Let's let me see the filters, let me see the filters," and so it was like this weird mix of like my kids like, "Let me see the dog <laughs> tongue filter again," and then like some dude like, "Hey, here's my dick," and I'm just like, "I can't do this. Yeah. The dichotomy is too much." That sounds like the internet itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, who is me this time? I'll be you. So okay. Just let me know. And then, so wait, I'm Brandon and Brandon's you? I don't remember, but... <laughs> Good fucking luck, Rob. I think that's the only way it can work, right? If you're me? I think, yeah. I think it's just, like, a clockwise. Yeah. Kind. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, good luck to you, because my shit is not easy to read, because it's, like, indecipherable. No, you're so scared. Get ready to say like more than you're used to. Oh my god, Jennifer has the longest lines, Brandon. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> but you'll only have to do them once. Presumably. Um, once for like, the next three weeks. <laughs> I'm totally gonna fuck this up as soon as we start. I'm just like I'm like I'm getting into character. I am Rob. <laughs> you finally get the uh <laughs> you finally get to live that line. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um Okay, Rob, go ahead, I guess. <laughs> okay. Let's are you recording? Mhm. Let's go. Okay, uh so this is I <laughs> We haven't talked about a name, I guess. I guess we'll call it, I was just thinking podcasting. We are podcasting in a room. Sure, why not? Okay. I can't guarantee I'll be in a room for the whole year, but yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Well, after we have to, we have to recite, like, we have to redo this every Oh, okay, but I still, I thought you meant you weren't sure you were going to be in a room, like you were going to lose your space or something. What do you mean, this space? Well, I'm losing this space. I'm out of this space soon. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, go off with your intro. Well, that's it. I'm Rob, and I'm here with Brandon (laughs) and Jennifer C. Martin, and uh, I don't know, uh, how, uh, how would you guys... How do you guys think would prefer to die and when? Well, when you told me to think about death, I had terrible nightmares. Um, and I never have, like, I barely even dream, much less have nightmares. Oh, man, I'm jealous. 
And I had nightmares that my sister and my youngest son were diagnosed with cancer. I woke up by crying and shit. Thanks, Rob. This is, that's honestly because of me. You had. No, I don't know why. I am, um, but if I wanted to die, it's very cliche, but I'd like to die when I was like old and just fall asleep. And like, I don't care about it, you know. I'm such a, like, a. I guess I can say that I'm a pussy. But so, like, I am a pussy when it comes to death. It's the number one thing stopping me, you know, because, like, I've dealt with a lot of suicidal ideation and, like, depression and stuff. But just being a total bitch about death is probably the number one reason. Like, I haven't gone through with anything. Same. You don't believe in, like, uh, I know you, you're heavily Christian. You don't believe in, are you not, is it, is, does the afterlife scare you? I mean, like, I was raised Pentecostal, so there's always that, like, 0.001%, like, fear in your mind. Like, what if hell is, like, real? Then I'm definitely going to it. Like, like, um, like, you never, like, lose this inherent, like, childhood fear. It's almost like, I don't know, like, I, I don't like to say that I've had a traumatic childhood because my childhood wasn't that traumatic compared to others. Like, nothing super bad that you can think of has ever happened to me, but, like, Belief in hell in and of itself is sort of like a traumatic experience for a child. Right. It's like, oh, like, you have uh, behaved this way or you will literally burn alive for longer than your life for all time. And you don't even have, like, a... That's a crazy fucking thing to say to a kid. Yeah, I mean, before you even have... Yeah, that's fucked up. A concept of time, like... Yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit scary. You worry about it. I don't know. I'm I'm iffy on the afterlife. I, I think, you know, I tend more towards like the Jewish tradition of like here and now, like the point of Christianity. If there's an afterlife, we'll see. Hopefully I'll at least get purgatory, right? That's not even in Protestantism, so I don't even understand purgatory. Like, is that supposed to are you supposed to is there like an emotional state in purgatory or is it just supposed to be boring because it's the same well for a while purgatory and limbo were different in the catholic church where like limbo is like you're going to be here forever because you weren't baptized or whatever so like you know african babies go to limbo if they get if they're not getting baptized like if they die young before whatever and then eventually the catholic church is like no there's no limbo there's only purgatory which i guess is like if you need to redeem yourself from some sin because you didn't get to talk to a priest before you die and absolve yourself of sins so you have to like i don't know it came through in the Bible, like, I'm not really sure about how a lot of Catholic traditions came about, because I'm not Catholic, but, but yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like, oh, well, this person was really bad, but they were also, you know, a good Catholic or good Christian person, so they can come to heaven after a little while. I don't even know your religious background, uh, Brandon, and I've known you. What's up? I don't even know your religious background, and I think I've known you longer. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, honestly. Really? Um, I mean, my I was raised a Christian, just non-denominational, you know, uh, assimilationist Christian. Um, but yeah, I I I agree. Um, I was I was taught about hell very early on, and it freaked me the fuck out. Freaked me the fuck out for years, for years, because like at a certain point, it'd be like a lot of the Bible stories, kind of, especially the ones they tell kids start to. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you start to not believe it so much. You know, the idea of getting swallowed up by a whale for a while and then being regurgitated back up. You know, I mean, like, I understand now that they're they're really just, you know, they're really just like parables, but I wasn't taught that. No, I wasn't either. Yeah, like this is this really happens. Like you you got to believe like if you don't believe this shit like you're done like you're you're smoking forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a my grandfather was literally like a professor at a Christian college of like science and the Bible and he believed not even all I would say most Christian professors don't even believe all this now, but he did. He believed that, like, all of Genesis and all of the Old Testament was all literal, and he would even have, like, these roundabout crazy ways of being, like, and this is how we know the flood happens. And then, like, all this other shit. It's, it's really wild that the circles that people can spin themselves into, into believing it. I think it's much nicer to hear it and be like, this is, you know, a parable and, and a story to learn from. Yeah. Yeah, there's a huge cognitive disconnect if you're really trying to take it literally. Like, my mom would tell me things of, like, you know, she would tell me that, like, the creation of Eve and stuff. And so, like, that's, like, why to this day women have, like, one less rib than men. And, like, I mean, I took... Is that true? <laughs> I took her word for it. <laughs> no, no. Do women have one less rib? <laughs> no. It's not even... <laughs> It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. That never... Like, no, women don't have a odd number of friends. I just never thought about it. Like, it never occurred to me to check a partner's rib or anything. Well, I... I... I it never occurred to me either, and then I did check it, and it was complete lie. <laughs> but the thing is, when my mom... That, like... I think she was trying to get into nursing school. <laughs> Aww. So she was, like, working at, like, I think she may have been in a nursing school already, but she, I know she was looking at, at like, cadavers and, and anatomical texts and stuff, and she was still telling me this shit. I don't, I still don't understand it now. I just don't understand, like, how people can be, like, a literalist when the first two pages of the Bible contradict each other about the creation, about, like... Yeah. About, like, when man and women were created and how just... And just, I don't know, it's weird and... It's because Christians don't, like, learn anything from, like, like technically what it, is it Christianity is supposed to be derived from Judaism. But yet they don't know, like, how, like, Jews read the Bible or the scriptures there. Like, so they're just like, oh, well, I guess this is all real. Like, let's just take this all at face value without even having studied it. Like, I don't think Jewish people believe it's all literal, so, like... Well, I've never heard of a flat-earther Jewish person, so... Yeah. No. <laughs> it's not like that. It's just like like they understand that it's parables for lessons or whatever, and they still you know, they still have conservative Jews, but conservative Jews still tend to just follow like the rules more than believe the stories as literal. Oh, I think they I think they like respecting the scholarly approach to the religious text too. Like I think that a lot of Christian 
pop, a lot of the Christian population who are like biblical literalists. I I don't think they really enjoy seeing the Bible in like a in a historical context at all. I think they just want it to be divorced from, you know, time and space and just being like the Word of God. Yeah, not to mention like yeah, literal hundreds of translations over thousands of years. Uh, which they get sort of upset if you bring that up. Like, you know, this isn't, God wasn't, if God was talking to you, you know, it, it was being transcribed, like it wasn't in English, and they sometimes, they get offended by that, but. Yeah, wasn't there a Bill Hicks joke, too, about, like, what's it say on the front of the Bible? King James's Bible. That's his Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that Bible, though. Of all the translations, I like that one. It's uh, very uh, poetic. I've never actually been able to get through it because I'm too dumb. Like, <laughs> I can't read Shakespeare. I had to read the Baldurized versions at high school, and I don't know. My brain just doesn't function that way. I mean, I don't I don't blame you. I studied Shakespeare in college, you know, I'm like uh, as part of my major. And honestly, I, I don't. I don't get this whole thing of like Shakespeare reading Shakespeare having to be agony. Like it, like it's people see it, think of it as this kind of like highfalutin type of thing. That's a type of benchmark. But if you can't understand what the fuck he's saying, then you're dumb. But again, it's like they were talking like that. What is it? The 17th century? Yeah. Maybe. I don't fucking remember anymore, but like, I think it was six, yeah, sixteenth, and they like I don't know. It's easier if you say it out loud since it's, it was supposed to be performed. Uh, wait, sorry, my mom is still texting me about Instagram. Um, <laughs> uh, performed. Oh, right. <laughs> it's always those fucking lines. I, I found it easier. <laughs> <laughs> I found it easier when I had to study it, but whatever. People, that's just like language changes. If those people came into our fucking universe and like looked online and saw all the shit that we say, they would have no idea what uh, what we were saying either. Yeah, I mean, every day going on Twitter, it takes like 15 minutes to figure out what people are saying, like what the words they're saying mean anymore. Today I saw a... Uh... Wait, I, I, I don't this. remember. GMFU. And I was like, what's this? Get it. GMFU? Yeah, I was like, get me fucked up. Oh, you're talking off script. Sorry, sorry. I didn't <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was so confused. <laughs> oh, I GMF. Yeah, is I that what that means? I've been thinking about GMFU all day. I don't, I've never heard of that. Me neither. Is that a real thing or is that just something somebody said and thought other people would get? I saw get? it in a meme and it had its own urban dictionary. So I was like, that's I how thought it that was. Like a, I thought that was like a uh, like mnemonic device for music theory for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. My fuck you. I don't know. Um, Brandon, yeah. Because there's just new references every fucking day. New references. You look. New levels of irony. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you look like that website exists, like Rap Genius. Oh, yeah. Uh, that has, like, translations to stuff that's coming out, like, today. Yeah. 
like you know and uh shakespeare his like so much of his work has like double meanings and double entendres and i doubt that a ton of like you know the peasant classes that were study they were standing in the globe theater with like kings or whatever like they might not have they might have got every reference the kit like the nobles may not have got all the references either they're there for the slapstick yeah that's true actually that was the entire point wasn't it it was something he was communicating to two different audiences on two different levels and that was like part of the genius of him yeah um, I mean, yeah, thinking about rap genius, too, like thinking about just how Christians still use Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah as a, like a religious song constantly. A song about being sad and fucking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John Cale, uh, the story, I don't know if you guys have heard the story behind the, the current iteration of Hallelujah, but apparently Leonard Cohen wrote like 150 verses to it and would just. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah, and he would just perform random verses live. And one time, John Kell was heard a performance, and he was like, "Hey, I want to do a cover of that. Can you send me the lyrics?" And then he sent him like fifty pages of lyrics, and he said he uh, just took out the naughty bits and um, then made them the song. That is a gratuitous amount of lyrics. Yeah, I mean, I respect it. I can't write any, so. I wanna, I wanna see a version of him doing it just in one take, though. Yeah, it would be nice. I, uh, I wonder if John Cale still has all the original lyrics that he faxed him because he's dead. I mean, Leonard Cohen's dead now, so I don't know of any record of the other verses unless there's like recordings of live performances from them. Um, but yeah. So what was the question? How do I want to die? I don't remember. Uh. Yes. Oh yeah. How do you want to die? Oh man, I don't even know anymore. Um, I there used to be like for a long time the like my thing was like like there's no way I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to like sit in the hospital bed or like get old older <laughs> or whatever. Just the idea of that seems like um it was it was horrifying to me you know, to, like, to, like, well, to just, like, uh, to, like, just slowly lose a certain amount of control or agency, and that's what I thought it was, you know. Yeah. So, like, I always, like, I always just am, like, oh, when the opportune time comes, I'm just gonna, like, I'm just gonna just kill myself, like, you know, um, and, you know, I had, like, suicidal ideation yeah and there was like depressive episodes like that too even divorced from that there was like there was this conscious like thought of like that if i'm gonna go then i'd like to do it you know um but now i don't know i don't have a preference i'm like i i I think if anything i would just be i think the romanticism from like being a sad 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 kid (laughs) for so long um like the last remnant of it is like me wanting to be like, if I'm going to die, I'd like to be like, uh, aware of it. I think it is so much easier to understand this when you're saying it, Brandon, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, it's like the most unnatural speech pattern <laughs> ever seen. I could I can understand it when you say it, but when I'm reading it, I have no idea what the fuck it's saying. No, it's like it's a it's a struggle for me to read it because like no, none of it seems intuitive. All of, I feel like mine is all awful, too. Like, especially being a writer, I, could, I just like it's worse because like when you speak, you don't notice all the things you're doing wrong. Right. But like when you see it written out, you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's the fun. of yeah, it. No, so, so far, yours and like I'm probably going to fuck it up like real hard and it's going to make this look even stupid or later. But like yours is a breeze so far. <laughs> Like, like, Rob's it, is easy as shit. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I just don't really so, speak that much. <laughs> yeah, Rob, you'll get the Rob job next time, Brandon. <laughs> Sweet. I'm just the Never ideas guy. <laughs> oh, I don't. In what way? I don't. Yeah. Well, I want to know the like. Do you want to have like a gun pointed at your face? Like, is that what you're talking about? No, no, because that's that's that means somebody else gets to do it. <laughs> I don't really want that either, but I do like. Well, um, what about an animal? But like, I want to know like what it feels like to be like, oh, this is my final moment. This is it. Hmm. Oh my god, I don't. <laughs> I do want to know. I, I don't. I don't want to know anything. You don't get too many of those. You don't get many opportunities to feel that. So. Uh. <laughs> One thing I'm really curious about, actually, is like to lose, like having dementia. To like, I want to know what that feels like, but then also be able to live my life and reference it. Like. Yeah, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. Like. Yeah. Like for a long, long time, and like. Mine too. And then, like, he finally died, and, like, I don't know. His last, like, I remember, like, we didn't go and say bye to him, and, like, he hadn't really known who I was for, like, a year. <laughs> Sorry. It's so awkward. This is, like, really. It's, it's so insulting. No, I'm the one who said it, so how? So it's insulting that I said it. I know, it. and I, and like, I, I feel, yeah, like me having to recite it feels. Like <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> and everyone was just hoping, like, <laughs> at a certain point where someone has Alzheimer's or dementia, that you're like, God, I wish they would die. <laughs> not because of how not because you don't want them to die but because it just seems like such a miserable life you know yeah even just living at a home so I just waved, <laughs> he waved. <laughs> I don't know yeah 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 just seeing my grandmother at a home recently I mean like when she was in the hospital like a year or two ago maybe two or three years ago now um when I visited her at one point, she was just, I was just trying to talk to her. And I guess the way I lead conversations and she just ended up saying like, yeah, I'm like, uh, done. I don't, I wish they would stop reviving me. Like, Jesus, I'm just bored. Like basically, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing of having dementia is so interesting to me because of how long they can just be like clueless. Or they can be really cheery, like my grandfather was. Like, he would always just repeat, uh, 
where's my martini? How's my, how about a Manhattan? And um, just other weird catchphrases. Or like other people that get really angry and like scared to some extent. I don't know. I'm going to be a psychopath. Something <laughs> weird and morbid because like <laughs> I was living with my grandfather when he was like in mild to more, hmm, maybe more like moderate Alzheimer's. Um, like I just lived with him for a month or two. We had sold our house in Tennessee, and we were about to move to Virginia. And so this would have been 2015, and he was starting to lose some of his, like, more, like, day-to-day stuff. But he had had the sudden resurgence of, like, childhood memories and, like, adolescent memories. And he, like, started talking about, like, this old girlfriend he'd had. He started singing songs that we never heard him sing before. It was really, really interesting. That's one thing I really wish we could get to is, like, I remember hearing or reading something when I was little about how in the future we're going to have pills where you can just experience somebody else's consciousness. Jesus. That sounds awful. I don't want that. I'm really curious. <laughs> like that's just all I wonder all the time is just like, what's it, what it's like. Cause I just wonder like how much of our thoughts of our memories define our consciousness. Like how much of our consciousness is just memory. And then without that, what consciousness is like, but I guess if if you come out of it, like, what would you remember? I don't know. I would take a pill of your consciousness. Mine? Yeah. How do you, like, you customize the pills? You get to pick, like, whose consciousness? Or is it just, like, a grab bag at random? I don't want that. I don't know. This is, like, around the same time. I remember hearing this around the time I first heard about... HGTV for the first time years before it came out, which was like, oh yeah, in the future we're going to have TVs that are really high definition. Yeah, those are those are comparable technologies. Yeah, you get to see The Simpsons a little more clearly, and you get the <laughs> fucking ghost of the shell somebody. <laughs> you never wonder that, just like what it's like to be in somebody else's head. Kind of. I want to know what's inside them. Yeah. <laughs> my head is stressful you guys i have like multiple multiple streams of thoughts at once and like none of them are like smart or intellectual it's always like three seven different things to be anxious about at once and then like whatever the task i'm whatever i'm doing at the moment and then just like this general i don't know and then like this horrible like layer of just like existential things and maybe and then like maybe if i'm like horny or hungry or something more primal than that too how do just you like <laughs> sorry about that line <laughs> uh i also wouldn't wish my consciousness on anybody either that that doesn't sound like a good time <laughs> i don't know why you would like i never i don't i don't envy somebody else's consciousness necessarily when i when i say i wonder a lot of the time it's just like how 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 are they able to function like they're so stupid like they're so stupid like how are they able to think that way it makes no sense to me i always assume chill people have like really fun circumstances you know or maybe like i'm like maybe they're rich or privileged in another way and so that's why they're not worried about stuff all the time Maybe, but like... But that's not true. I know it's not. Yeah, I mean, but also isn't like, isn't art in general, like writing and stuff, isn't just communication a way of giving people a glimpse into your consciousness, even though? I think that's what it is. Like, I think the uh, 
that's what I that's what I consider to be like the most like potent thing about art is like it is its communicated aspects like you know like you get to you get to kind of see how how somebody distills their own environment in their surroundings I was at um actually when I was still in before I ever actually moved to Indiana oh right which I don't even want to get into get out but <laughs> but before I even moved here I uh like my last big like hurrah was to go to the LACMA and take a bunch of acid and go to the LACMA and like and the whole time I, I saw these like these paintings as like um like little like windows into somebody else's person, like consciousness or perspective, like you know what they you know, like what they chose to emphasize in how they saw things, you know, everything is kind of similar in that there are landscapes and stuff, but like some people accentuate like the shadows mean more to them or the highlights mean more to them. That actually reminds me, I've never done acid or shrooms or any hallucinogenics, but I've read about them a lot because that culture has a lot of facets that interest me. And like, isn't that sort of what um like Ken Kesey and Charles Manson and stuff were attempting to do with acid a lot of times? Was just like to have a collective conscious that everybody sort of experiences the same brain? So. Uh. I, I got into acid because of the bottle servers. The, the, the idea of, yeah, the collective consciousness and like trying to uncover things that are only accessible to you like under certain like that hippy dippy bleh like spooky kind of escaped my radar i don't i don't really know i'm not sure what that is i think there are a lot of people who who think that oftentimes i i don't enjoy getting high with those people but um yeah there might be some truth to it because i think uh one of i don't know if you're familiar with mark fisher the marxist theorist um i'm not sure he wrote capitalist realism Okay. But before before he killed himself, I think the last work that he was working on was like, you know, potentially utilizing like psychedelics or, you know, having that as a potential avenue to sort of expand um your imagination. Hmm. Because his notion that he came out in uh, capitalist realism was that like a society, a post-capitalist society is incredibly difficult for, for people to imagine right now. It's so entrenched in the way we think and everything and that's around us. It is very difficult for us to really imagine how a society that is like, like a post-revolutionary society would exist. A non-transactional society? God. <laughs> yeah, like one, one not based on not one entirely based on like commodity production or that has a profit incentive, you know, I mean, just like just basic day to day things. And I think about it too, like, you, you know what it's like so much of like the music that I listen to, like, you know, they have like, it's inescapable from like the environment that it comes from. Right. And so it's, it's, uh, inescapable in effect, like from the economic system that 
environment employees. So it's like a weird thing to just like think about, like, cause like I think about like, uh, you know, music and, uh, you know, like pre-colonial societies, like your, uh, what, what just happened to my brain? Um, <laughs> like, you know, pre-colonial like, um, periods, like a lot of indigenous music, a lot of it is very communal. It's a lot of, um, a lot of it's very like religious or spiritual. Um, it's meant for the collective. It's mostly, are you talking about the mostly like rhythm based sort of stuff too? Yeah. Like more improvised and yeah. Like Indonesian Gamalayan music or, um, you know, a lot of like, I don't, I don't know, but, um, like, I don't think they had like individual pop artists, you know? Right. Their 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 society wasn't atomized to the point where you had individuals like making like you know the glow part two in their bedrooms or something. Mm. Yeah. You know you have that uh, now uh, because that's how you know we are more individually minded than we are collectively minded. Yeah. So what about like instruments? So were they, did they have to like find their voice in a specific instrument or something? The way we tend to think about it, like somebody's specific guitar tone and everything. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know the, the, like the history of it or like the inner workings of like, like two, those dynamics were reached. Not even entirely sure. Like, I mean, we're talking about like several different cultures. Right. Like over like over like, you know, millennia. But I don't know. I'm sure they had like different varying relationships too, even like the instruments that they played. If they owned them or if they were manu- multifaceted, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh I don't know how to segue out of that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I always think about, you know, how it's like how people communicate or express differently. But I, as a writer, I'm always worried about how people are interpreting the things I say. Right. Um, What was this in? In the waking life, no matter how much of a, like, on a wavelength or how linguistically, culturally similar you are to someone, you still really cannot help how they take what you say. You never know if they, you, you take it the way that you intended and it's like words are just like symbols for an intent you're trying to express and it's really hard sometimes to express an idea or an emotion with somebody no matter how similar it is and no matter how well you communicate it can i ask what kind of stuff do you write like what genre bullshit mostly like i just made myself sound really cool (laughs) i mostly write quizzes and slideshows but um i also have i have a blog um the Dirtbag Christian, and then I'll be writing some fiction for Only Magazine soon. And, like, I used to write a lot more, more, like, newsy media pieces, but they don't do as much freelance work anymore. Like, I have a full-time job, so I, like, I have a pretty full plate anyway. But, yeah, I can write lots of different things, and so I... But because I write so many different types of things, I always am thinking, like, I'm writing for this kind of audience. I'm writing for this... I'm writing this kind of subject. I'm writing this kind of, I want this kind of person. So I'm always switching gears. Like, you know, 
the baby boomers who I write quizzes and slideshows for don't want to hear about like religion, politics at all versus like my, my blog, you know, that's all it is. Uh, and then fiction, you know, you want to do it, but not so heavy handed. And I don't know who's going to read that, but just always adapting yourself really. Or maybe that's just me. I'm adapting myself to write or communicate with a different type of person. So I try to be very like in tune with how I connect with, with them or the type of person I think would want to read or hear or whatever it is I have to say. So would you say the audience has a fundamental role in like in how I guess the finished product of your work? Absolutely. I would say maybe it's like I mean, to a point, you know, there's some selfishness things. Like I write about things, especially in the my personal blog my personal life, I write about things that are important to me. But, like, I guess I've just been a commercial writer for long enough that I know that, one, like, people have to read it. But even if it's not about, like, I don't care who reads that, you still want it to connect with somebody. So I definitely I definitely constantly consider my audience and what people will think and what they will feel when they read something that I write. And so I try. I adapt it for a little bit to them, and it, I think it changes how I communicate as well. Thinking of the audience definitely has changed in my writing style. Do you worry about how it will connect with them? Like, if there's a wrong way for them to connect with it? I mean, like, yeah. I run into shit all the time, and, you know, I try to take it... I, I try not to take it personally. Like, for instance, you know, it's like little things. I copy-pasted some, like, term in one of my blogs. I used the term, the word Latinx. Not even know if I'm saying it. And somebody was like... Oh, that's a really condescending term, and people really need to stop using it. And, like, I hadn't heard that before, but I thought, you know, like, whatever I was trying to communicate, the person totally dismissed it because I used that one word, and, you know, you have to think about stuff like that. But I don't think about, you know, people get, some people are really touchy about political correctness, but for me, I find it more interesting. Like, I'm not trying to, to make people write off something that I think and say because I use a word that's offensive. Like, it defeats the purpose of writing in the first place. So, like, I like to be somewhat non-offensive, or at least non-offensive to the right people, the right audience. Right. Like, obviously, the stuff that I write is offensive to some people, but I don't care about those people. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's funny. I guess that's all political correctness is, really, is just, like, trying not to piss off the right people, but then the wrong people always get pissed off and they want you to change. But it's like, we're not, we don't care about you. Yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, we've been talking for half an hour. Do you guys have anything else you want to add, or...? I have no idea. I don't know what I can say that, like, I'm comfortable being preserved and having to, like, recite again over and over over the course of a year. I mean, um, everything's preserved now. Almost, I can't, I almost never talk to people in a way that isn't preserved anymore. Do you think that... Do you think the feds are listening? Yeah. Well, that, but also just, like, talking on the phone, talking over text, talking over email. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just everything is, like... Uh, do you think <laughs> that historians will sift through, like, Twitter emails and shit in the future? There's so much content. Where What will they do? I mean, I think there will be, like, metadata they can uh, sort what they're looking for because I, I mean, yeah, like, it is going, I think a lot of history is, like, based on individual narratives. Like, I was 
just hearing about this guy who owns slaves. Just some random guy, but they found his journal, and it's illuminating just to get this one guy's perspective that he wasn't thinking anybody's going to see. I think, um, yeah, I think. I don't know. It's weird to think about what the ever-expanding future with more and more people and more and more stuff being archived, what will be deemed important. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there will be themes ultimately that are sought, that are dissected, and then whatever is available of individual people. I mean, we already do with blogs, like people searching through old blogs for things. I mean, we make memes out of, like, the bodybuilding forum post and stuff, like... Yeah, my kids occasionally make references to, like, memes or things that I know they've never experienced before. But because it's in a meme format, and they, like, they're... Because I don't want them to have too much media access, but they can watch, like, gamer, like, PG gamer YouTube things, and they'll see the gamer guy reference those things, and so they'll start referencing it, like, what did they reference the other day? Something from Homestar Runner? And I'm like, you have never watched Homestar Runner. But it's not even just that, because, like, a meme can just be a post somebody made. It can just be something... It could just be a face you made in public that somebody happened to capture it on camera. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing what we're seeing already is the future of history, basically. I mean, it's fascinating. It's like, you know, it's it it's like the logical conclusion to like the whole pop art thing, you know, or like postmodern. Like the idea of postmodern art is like it abolished it's abolishing the distinguish distinction between like highbrow sorry and lowbrow <laughs> to where like everything just comes like kind of like homogenized as this weird sort of mishmash culture yeah i kind of like it yeah i i i think I think it's fascinating. I don't know where else it can go, which I, I, I also, I mean, I tie it into like, um, you know, political, like, you know, just like the political state and how like this type, you know, like the kind of modern <laughs> kind of like culture is like late capitalist culture. You know, it's like, yeah, it's this disruption and rejection of all things sacred and unlike, and just turned into commodities just like you know you can't like you know um i mean you can buy pretty much anything now like there's no like you can buy like you can buy like uh you can buy like joe crucifixes and shit yeah i mean there's nothing like there's nothing like sanctified or anything anymore you can see anybody naked now like pretty much yeah yeah anybody you can think of you don't even have to be naked, like. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, like, the next thing that comes is basically just a great consolidation. Like, you can't unring a bell. Like, all these forms of communication, all these forms, all of these disparate micro-content things. Like, I mean, I always think it's interesting, like, how, like, TikTok and stuff, like, and Vine, like, you would have, like, these moments that before would just be in a movie. Like, a lot of memes are basically just, like, a TikTok or a Vine taken from a movie or a TV show. And I think we're going to keep seeing everything break apart more like that. And then eventually just it's going to be so much that we're going to see a great consolidation again of media of all these things still existing. But there's going to be more focus on long form and larger format again at some point. That sounds crazy exhausting. 
Yeah. When you talk about like a full length, like a feature film of a TikTok. I mean, it sort of already sort of exists. You go on YouTube. My roommate's kid, he showed, he just put on a video of memes the other day. Like it was just this guy seemingly just has like, um, I guess he just sets up like he coded something to pick off stuff off of Reddit or Imgur or whatever. And then he has a robot voice read it, which is why, which is what makes me think it's all automated. That is just this program pulls all these memes, reads what it says, and then reads it out loud from the synthetic voice, and then it just plays all of them for 10 minutes or whatever. Mm. And I think we're going to keep seeing more of that eventually. We're just going to, we're going to be so much more focused on curated, on creation again. Ugh. Well... Well, I feel, I feel like that's symptomatic of like a society becoming more and more depressed. It's like from my from my perspective, I feel like this like incessant need to have noise, you know, or like just just total stimulation, like you know, like sensory stimulation comes from the fact that like you know being alive right now is kind of unbearable for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about what things are like in the future, but. And all my leftist spaces, like, the real cynical ones are like, there's not going to be an America, there's not going to be a future, like. I think that's like, uh, well, I don't think there's going to be an America. Well, I don't want there to be an America. That's neither. Yeah, neither do I. But that's not that simple. I feel very, I don't know, very hopeful about that. That's probably not positive, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess what this comes down to is we've sort of reached this cultural singularity where everything is always happening and everything is fleeting. We're all like, did you ever hear the story of like Rocky Erickson? Like the only way he could get to sleep was by having like nine TVs on at the same time on different channels. Oh, really? Oh, my fucking God. Well, he was schizophrenic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was Wow. And at that point that was that was strange. That was not normal behavior. I think we're all kind of we're becoming Rocky Erickson. Oh that's true, yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's been a thing for however long now, like, we watch, like, I mean, so many shows are based around the fact that you're not going to be watching them. You're going to be reading, looking at your phone and watching videos on your phone while you're watching TV, probably. Yeah. And the person next to you is watching other videos. There are, like, 10-hour videos on YouTube that are, like, whole swaths of YouTube that, like, don't expect you. They expect you to fall asleep to this, like, to this 10-hour. Yeah like 10 hour thing like that's the whole purpose they don't expect you to watch the whole video it's just an artistic statement it's not an artistic statement and there's just it's just there it's just drone for you it's just background yeah for your very bradbury is glad he's dead for all this and andy warhol yeah (laughs) or maybe andy warhol would be excited i don't know but yeah it's it's interesting. Yeah. How, I don't know. I also think, I never really thought about it, actually, about how production values simultaneously keep getting worse and better at the same time. Do you remember that video of all the people that lived in the TikTok house? It was like, I think it was in like no, 
maybe October, November. I, I don't even remember when it was. Like, last year of... The Eternal Now. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> there was this video of, like, all these extremely attractive, fit people showing how they do every day. They're like, this is the filming room, and this is the workout room. And it was just... It was, like, just in, like, some L.A. house, and, like, all these people must have been, like, 25 or under. They were all extremely attractive. They were all TikTok influencer types, and they all lived, like, in the same house. And they were all filming in all rooms all the time, right? Yes, yes. It wasn't just, like, this is the exercise room where you get a break from this. Like, no, you are always content. Yeah. What a weird way to live. That's horrifying. Yeah, but, I mean, we were expecting this forever, I guess. I mean, between Andy Warhol, The Truman Show, Ed TV. Uh, yeah. That woman in the 90s. Or I remember my dad reading an article to me in the 90s about a woman that was just going to leave her webcam on all the time. And you could just check in and see what she's up to. Oh, yeah, that girl. And they, like, yeah. And she ended it, I think, she ended up having sex with her friend's boyfriend or something. Oh, really? And it was on camera. Damn. So. Yeah, fuck. Why would... I was saying, why would she do that, I guess? But I mean, like... This is before anyone even ever thought about it. Maybe it was a radical statement. Like, I'm going to do this thing knowing the consequences that might happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But, like, banality used to be such, like, a radical statement in, like, in art, you know? To just, like, do, like, normal shit. Like, um, yeah, I forget who that artist was. She was, like, a mixed-media artist. Um, Like, her museum installation piece was just, like, uh, like, her messy bed. Like, a replication of her messy bed. Yeah. And it was, like, it... It it made like huge waves, and now like that's all content is now. Like it's just it's just real life. Sometimes with a filter on it, sometimes not. But yeah, we all have to stick out. Like I remember a girl on OKCupid when I was in Indiana. She had a video that she recorded of her going to bed and going to sleep, and that was her profile. She just had a link to a live feed she had done, like back when you could do that with Google Hangouts through YouTube, and it was just like six hours. And I just skipped through it, and it was just like, yeah, there she is sleeping. That's fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess that's it. That's about 40 minutes. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I live a pretty online life, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, we're all chauvinists and voyeurs in our own way. Yeah. This whole thing is part of it, yeah. Yeah, all right, well, to cut down on the torture in the future, I think I'll cut this off now. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Okay. So long. All right. Later. Only took 50 minutes this time. Man. It's, it's fun to read somebody else's words. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to hear mine being read back to me. Rob, you were saying a lot of bullshit. <laughs> a lot of fucking nonsense.